Hello and welcome to this edition of Finance and Technology Insights with Brian and Eric. I'm Brian Williams from Northshire Consulting. He is Eric Bjorndorf, and this is episode 18, believe it or not. So what's happening, Eric? It's hard to believe we made it to episode 18. This I was proven all the was, haters wrong. They said we yeah. wouldn't get past 17, yet here we are. Well, I remember when 10 was a milestone, right? Because I... Right. I originally solicited you, um, I don't know, sometime late last year, and I had started this with another partner who la we only lasted two episodes. Mm -hmm. And um, and then so being a little jaded, I said, well, with you, let's get let's see if we can get past 10 episodes and then we'll maybe declare, you know, victory. Of, we have officially a show on our hands and I'm just looking at our YouTube channel uh, videos page and we've got 18, 17 videos with dynamic thumbnails. Megan does our thumbnails. Thank you, Megan. Um, funny, hopefully searchable episode titles. Not many viewerships yet, but we're not advertising it really no. yet, right? No, we're really not. Uh, yeah, we started to do a little bit. I know you've uh, done some plugs on TikTok and, and Instagram. It's almost like uh, it's almost like dating. Remember when it became a thing to be like face Facebook official or whatever, you know, to, to flag yourself in a relationship, you know? Yeah, so. yeah. Well, I, and, and we used episode 10 as a milestone mm -hmm. um, before we were going to commit to a website. And mm -hmm. uh, the only reason why we don't have a website up yet is because my web team is um, thankfully little backlogged so all mm -hmm. you know it's like the shoe cobbler's kids walk to school barefoot so mm -hmm. um you know we were busy with the uh, priority items but yeah i'm committed to getting us a web page I, I know that we converted our so we're off of um we're off of flipboard where we created a facebook page we do have a group linked to our facebook page do we have a vanity page a vanity url yet for our page yes we do facebook.com forward slash finance and technology insights is our facebook page and you're a groups guy uh i do like groups but i i feel like i can pin our news articles to the facebook page so that's kind of what i've been doing what, mm -hmm. where are you on that yeah same thing i mean sometimes it's just uh if i see a news article my, my initial reaction is always shared a group because i've had my own own group for about a year. I've had my own group for about a little bit over a year. So my instinct is always shared a group. Um, but I think, uh, I think both the page and the group will kind of evolve. I know the, for my own business, I use the page for kind of more, a little bit more on the marketing side or a little bit more advertisement where I don't advertise anything in the group at all. It's just a uh, shareable content and gotcha. sometimes some polls and try to get more interactive on the group side. Um, but so uh, we're, yeah, we're definitely learning as we, we're definitely learning as we go. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, and you and I obviously running our own enterprises. So, mm -hmm. um, we're doing this as kind of, uh, I don't know I, labor of love. I don't think is the term I would use for this. I, I use a certain term side project, a hobby. Mm -hmm. Um, how, where, where do you fit this into your life? Uh, yeah. Just, a business related sidebar or almost like the yeah. idea of, uh, kind of sandboxing a little bit, right? Sometimes you you take a, another piece of data or another project and you 
build it kind of around a hobby so that you're not in your business mindset all the time. So while it's related, it's not necessarily, uh, you know, it'd be like somebody, I don't know, trying to think of a terrible analogy, but, um, somebody that kind of ran the, my frozen here. Yeah. Your video is struggling a little bit. Your audio keeps is, seems pretty solid, but your videos. Okay. Busy. Okay. I keep going on the audio side, but yeah, I mean, somebody who, who was running a gardening shop or landscaping, and then they just worked on some projects around the house just to kind of experiment and do some things and, and enjoy why they got into the business or whatever in the first place. So I think that's probably, it's kind of a semi-related sidebar, I guess. Yeah, I think that's a, a pretty fair description of what we're doing here. So we're finance and technology insights. We we do a weekly show recorded on Tuesdays. Hopefully we publish on Tuesday afternoon, maybe Wednesday morning. We do, um, you, you know, you you cut the audio um, and, and, and upload that to a podcast. Um, and it is nice. It's nice to do this. And we it's nice to have an open forum. Well, Two, th two reasons why I think this is nice. One, the video marketing and um, multimedia marketing content is so obviously an Im important for a business's marketing initiative. Mm -hmm. And doing this with you really helps keep me in front of the, keeps me be more comfortable. It's teaching me to become comfortable in front of the camera um, and kind mm -hmm. of putting out this kind of content. And I've been trying to put content out for my company, Evernet Consulting, an IT company. Um, but I never wanted to put out content that didn't offer value. So um, at any ways, this this show doing doing this with you helps me feel re, you know stay kind of in the habit of staying in front of the camera. I guess does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I think so. You have some regular set schedule to put out some content at least once a week. So if we do nothing else. We're still putting out an hour of content every week, which is which is pretty impressive. So, um, and it's a forum that doesn't take a lot of preparation. You know, you can just kind of bounce from uh, stuff that we're doing over the last seven days and coming together. You know, it's not like we need a few hours of prep work in the morning or anything like that. We're just talking about things that we're experiencing and what's going on in the news over the last six or seven days. That's one of the reason. One of the other reasons why I like this a lot is because mm -hmm. it's not scripted. It's not prepared. Well, you and I are just speaking perfectly candid, candidly about our respective businesses and our experiences. Mm -hmm. And honestly, it's fun because you know it was a total shot in the dark that we met. And I mentioned this in earlier episodes, mm -hmm. but you and I turn out to be we're <laughs> we end up kind of uh, becoming a pretty pretty um, helpful sounding board. I don't know about you, but I enjoy. Yeah. You know, throughout the week, we're just pinging each other, just like, you know, I feel like we're both in the same, maybe in the same um, groove in terms of where we are in our respective businesses in some some respect. You know, we're uh, focusing a lot on marketing and marketing mm -hmm. um, tactics and, and challenges and things. And so one of the things that's different about our industry is every business that has a, a workplace retirement account, 401k, 403b. They're doing these annual tax filings, uh, the form 5500. So one of the pieces of information on there is how much they're paying. So we don't know what services are being provided, but we at least know how much they're paying. So there's been a ton of 401k lawsuits, but obviously mostly at the bigger companies, but that's something that's really been in a focus. So even if you're not a low cost provider or leading with fees, you have to, that's usually one of the, the 
priority items that you're going to talk about is what the fees are, how they're billed and that kind of stuff. So that's, that's one area where I guess our, our businesses are kind of different. And I mentioned so that me, to you yesterday. Let me keep chunking this for the viewer and the, and the yeah. listener. So you have publicly available data that tells you the name of what a, a person uh, like a plan manager and or company and what they're paying for your for your comparative services or something like that yeah so you could take abc company look up their their retirement plan see if they have one and then it's going to say you know we've got 30 employees we've got a million dollars in assets um Here's what we started the year with. Here's what we finished the year with. Here's a contact name, phone number. And then one of the spaces in there is what they're paying in administration services. A lot of folks don't fill that out correctly, or sometimes if they're paying the fees outside of the plan, they don't show up there. So it's imperfect data. And the fact that it can be pretty stale too. So they have, you know, you're filing based on last year's information and you have a But potentially you have a conversation starter just in that data mm -hmm. set. Yeah. Um, so you, but one thing, a, a lot of small businesses don't realize that data is public. So, right. you know, if you were, you know, dialing for dollars and you're like, hey, Joe Smith at ABC Company, I see you paid, you know, $1,500 in 401k fees last year. They'd be like, how did you know that? You know, so it almost creates a sort of creepy big brother sort of thing if they don't know that information is out there. So, um, so we were talking about that, putting that in, in, as far as email marketing or something, is that something you mentioned as part of your sequence, or maybe you can kind of range it out, which would be an interesting thing to do. So if you knew that, if you know, they've got $650,000 in their plan, you could say typically plan sizes in the range of 500,000 to 750 or, or, you know, so you could kind of tell them that, you know, without no, without giving them the exact so, dollar so yeah so for more context so you floated to me yesterday you're like hey i've got this data set it could be potentially creepy could be a great conversation starter what would you do right i mean that's yeah. kind of how that went down um i you know my i have an opinion as to what i think you should do but my answer i'll just say my answer was we you know we don't we choose not to compete by price Mm -hmm. um we are what we describe our pricing as market or marketable so we're we're right in where the market says we're va our products and services are valued if we were to compete by price um it would it's just a race to the bottom sure. um and we're not going to do that and it's it's not it's not going to create a healthy company for us and a healthy and um service for the client so we differentiate on our um our quality our experience and our uh, methodology um, I gave you some silver tongue version of that answer anyways. Um, so, but what do you, what, you know, so my answer, I think my opinion for you and your, in the con, in your context, you know, information I think is key or king in my opinion. So I feel like if you led off with something like, Hey, uh, you know, per this report as provided by, Right. And, right. and I'm, I'm yeah. a little shaky on your on where you source that information. But if you just like linked to it, even, you know what I mean? And, and just yeah, per this, in, you know what I mean? Per this information by the state, um, you know, really helps me um, zero in on who I can help best. You know mm. what I mean? And then, right. and, you know, if you kind of let off with that, I feel like you, you in the first sentence, you just address like, how does this guy know? Right. Yeah, that's a good point. You want to 
like you would be doing citing any source, you know, if you're citing a Bloomberg article or whatever, you would say per this source and the link and, and whatever. And yeah, again, I'm not leading with fees, you know, I'm not the subject of the email is not like uh, lower your fees 10%, you know, switch to us. That's not, not what we're doing, but it's such a hot topic in the industry. And again, if you're doing like a newsletter style or even just a regular email paragraph style, maybe that's your third paragraph or something, or your second, you're not leading with that, but um, yeah. But yeah. So that, that ties, it, that ties us into our weekly, you know, at, at the beginning of every episode, we always check in with each other. So that ties mm -hmm. into what I've been doing and what you've been doing. We talk more. You want to tell us more about what your last week is in business was like uh, in, in this context? Yeah, sure. So last week in business. So uh, well, I guess first and foremost, I kind of took Friday as, as sort of a half day, uh, almost like the day you took when you were sick, just kind of monitoring emails and stuff. It was my son's fourth birthday. So ah. he was home from daycare. My wife took the day off from school and grandma's rolling in and all that kind of stuff. I saw so, some pictures on social. That looks cool. Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. So uh, so we did that. But uh, yeah, otherwise, it's been working on some email marketing, some uh, working on some of those, um, putting together those from, from different sources. So that could be, um, some services that, that, uh, that I pay for, or could be some public information from the DOL. So it's, you know, I think, uh, and you'll probably talk about this too. When we talk about what you're doing is like, you're never going to construct the perfect email. There's always going to be mistakes. There's always going to be somebody who gets the business and who's out of business or, um, you know, an existing client who kind of gets a marketing thing. So, you know, I think you try to phrase it, you know, early on kind of casting a wide net where it could be like, you know what, if a current client gets this, there's value there. If a prospect get this, gets this, there's value there. If it's a center of influence, maybe accountant or attorney or something like that, there's value there. So, um, so I think it's a, it's trying to word that and phrase that, but understand that there's going to be a ton of mistakes. There's going to be, you're going to get some bad emails. You're going to get some stuff. Bounced, Images left justified. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I know we get, uh, Megan so and I went through that. Stuff. Thank you for pointing that out by the way. Um, yeah. Yeah. I never know if, if people want that information or definitely, not. But, uh, definitely. I figured, uh, that would be something that you'd be interested in, but yeah. So, so Eric had sent out an email and it, it looked great on my phone. It, it I mean, I'm sure it looked great. We everywhere but all platforms except for outlook desktop because <laughs> we're right we're, we're in the web now my entire team i think maybe a couple of my team members still use outlook desktop but we're kind of like all in on web software so we run our entire business on the web so i'm an outlook web app uh, or w the web version of outlook and i kind of stopped using outlook desktop years ago uh, a couple of years ago and uh, of course it's the de facto e business email tool and you pointed out you, like, hey, your your images on your your last because uh, you asked for, you know, you and I were chatting about my email campaigns that I sent out. And thank you for pointing out that the images on the banner image in the in the middle image were like left justified. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, you just never know how things are going to look on different uh, platforms. But uh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's kind of the the idea. And, and we both mentioned that we kind of fall into that habit sometimes where we let perfect be the the enemy of good. And sometimes it, it takes a little bit too long there. And it's like, hey, you know what? I'm going to send this email out to 2,500 people. I know some will get bounced. I know it's not perfect for everybody, but you know what? I feel like the email adds value. So here it goes, you know? Well, you know, I, I, have been in business. I say this repeatedly. I'm, it's kind of a, uh, a feather in my cap, but you know, I, I've been in business for 17 years now and 
at least for the first 10 years of being in business, I tread so lightly in business. I didn't make smart business decisions for fear of alienating my relationships with my clients or mm. upsetting them, basically. Um, I didn't have a marketing function in the business for the first at least 10 years of being in business. I just grew through, you know, networking and referrals and, and, and things. Um, and I regret that so aggressively. I regret that mm. so much and because not having a an effective marketing and i'll you know i'm coming to find marketing equals just voice right the marketing of a company is the voice of the company it's you know if you don't tell people what you have to sell you'll never get it in front of somebody who needs your product again i always make the joke we're not selling ketchup popsicles you know what i mean we're mm -hmm. we're we're selling valuable services and help for a lot of people and you're doing the same thing if you don't have a voice if you don't market that then the people looking for you and your product will have a harder time finding it mm -hmm. um and you know I'm, I'm sure i'm getting a big eye roll from a well-seasoned um business professionals but <laughs> um you know uh it's it's something that i've come to find that marketing is is vital uh it's to, to, to a healthy business and a healthy client relationship you know, I have, um, you know, we haven't talked about it in a while and I, I took a little bit of time off from flying. I, I'm not really doing a lot of flying any, uh, through the winters anymore because quite frankly, you know, doing ground ops uh, in, you know, below freezing weather on the ramp of an air, airport is just not fun. Um, so I've been taking some time off. I'm getting getting back into it. But since over the winter, the, the place where I like to fly, they they took the plane that I like to fly off the line and i texted the owner and i said hey where's the plane and would that i like to fly and he's like oh we sold it but we're trying to get it back on the line as a lease back and i said okay so the we the airport uh has an app where you can see the planes it's a scheduling app where you can see the planes availability and you can kind of book the plane yourself through the app which is nice um so i've been checking the app couple times a week just to see if this plane came back on the line. And last night it came back on the line. And so I texted, I texted the owner. I said, Hey, is the plane back on the line? And he said, yes. And like the, what do you think the first thought that came to my mind was in context of marketing? Yeah. Like, why didn't you let everybody know it's back? So you should have, you should have sent an email campaign out to your customer base and said, Hey, the plane's back on the line. I mean, it, believe me, they want this thing rented. They want it used because it pays the bills, you know? Um, and normally I am the one who consistently gives everybody unsolicited advice. Mm. Um, but for whatever reason, I just decided not to say anything. But, uh, anyways, my point is I'm kind of, I come from a background of treading very lightly when it comes to advertising and, and kind of at marketing and promoting the business, um, but I'm kind of like, I'm going the other way. And this is what I tend to do. Once I realize the error of my ways, I, I tend to just go the other way. So <laughs> the marketing thing, I'm all in on it. And, you know, yes, what it was it yesterday morning, I texted you. It's it's official. The first message I text, messaged you yesterday was, it's official. And you go, what? And I said, I'm a spammer, you know. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, I have a deep and robust client list and prospects list. 
you know, prospects are former clients and, and or um, almost clients. And I have a pretty deep leads list of people that I've, you know, have, have come to, to know or become aware of or, or somehow had some soft interaction with. And, you know, so now I'm starting a um, robust um, marketing function, email marketing function and, and other channels too, but rant over. Yeah. No, I think that's, that's good. I mean, the idea of getting content out there for like the example of the plane, and that's a guy who could just, who could just flip open his phone and, and record a, a YouTube short or even a TikTok or, and just send it out. I mean, sometimes learning what the best method to get information out is, is, is something I think that everybody's learning too. Is it sending out a quick email? Is it, uh, you know, hopping on and recording a quick video and sharing that across platforms? So well, my experience with you and what we're, what we're learning from each other and what we're doing is multi-channel marketing is, is everything, you know, yeah. I mean, sure. They could have put a, they could have, um, sent a postcard in the mail, but that's, probably not the most efficient channel to mm -hmm. use, but an email campaign. Um, yeah. I mean, honestly, I struggle doing my short videos and my TikToks and my Instagram reels and things because like it, it's really, it's just basically me in my office, you know, bla blathering about something. Mm -hmm. Some businesses really lend it themselves well to some of these formats. Like you said, just a, a walk out to the ramp and, and done, uh, a 15 to 60 second video, um, for, you know, for an airplane rental service, um, really lends itself well to the, to, to that kind of multimedia. So, yeah, it really does. And I guess that kind of ties into, uh, you know, with things that we posted in the group, one of the, one of the things we talked about, uh, a lot is, is YouTube and this article that, that I shared was, uh, was from Adweek talking about YouTube marketing trends and shorts. And so, what you're trying to do with any of this stuff is obviously certain platforms are, are pushing different features. So Facebook had some updates where they're, uh, if you noticed along the top, they're pushing their reels a little bit more. So mm -hmm. everybody's sort of chasing TikTok right now and, and YouTube's not uh, obviously going to be left behind, owned by Google. Uh, so you have YouTube shorts and um you know, the airline, the, the, your, your airport that has that, that would have been the perfect opportunity. Like you said, you record a quick 30 second video, just walking around the plane, going out there. I mean, and then that's, that's a TikTok, that's a reel that's on, you know, Facebook, Instagram, and you put it right. on YouTube shorts and just, just drop it into your email without even, you could drop it in an email without even putting any, you know, words behind it or something. So, um, but anyway, this is one of the articles that we shared to to our yeah, that was a good article. I, I I read that. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. So saying YouTube uh, adults are spending an average of almost forty two minutes a day on the platform, which is which is pretty amazing. If you figure an eight hour workday, they're they're spending uh, almost ten percent of that on YouTube. So um, yep. so getting in front of them for one minute of their forty three, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. So if you're taking and to record a one minute video pretty much takes one I'm, minute. You know, I'm <laughs> hoping to I'm hoping to get in front of the video, uh, the camera even more. Check check this out. Bring bring me up, bring bring up a big shot of me for a sec. Yeah. Trying to oh. get you to it's, it's I don't know, it's one of them. Yeah, I was trying to get you uh, as big as possible. But... Yeah, that's fine. 
Yeah, there look we go. This, look at this rig. Do you, do you see what this is? Look at that. He's got a tripod. He's got the. So iPod. this is so this is a tripod with a cell phone, a iPad mount, and a camera mount. And Very the cool. goal the goal was I'm going to set that over here. And I was going to run a, remember we were talking this last week about um, a teleprompter app. Mm -hmm. So I bought this plate to, to spread the, um, you know, to put the iPad and the phone next to each other. Cause the phone's going to be my camera and the iPad will be the, um, the teleprompter. And then I asked, I, I, I looked at it and it's like the camera and the teleprompter are going to be two side by side i think so i right. so yes yesterday i bought a um i don't know if i can bring it up fast enough or not but i ended up buying a um teleprompter rig yeah yeah let me grab mine too we'll see if it's the same one. you have one yeah yeah i told you i had this so this is uh yeah so this is the one i use uh oh perfect yeah it's basically yeah, so, the same thing yeah this is the glass and you put your you know kind of you put your camera or phone kind of under the hood here and these are universal tripod mounts at the bottom yep. and then up front where there's this little tray you can put your phone or any sort of tablet and that reflects up on the back so essentially what you're doing here is you're doing a little yeah 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 thing. so your camera is back here and you're looking right into the camera but you're reflective uh over the top and the cameras won't pick up any of that reflection obviously so do you um, like do you like that tool have you used it before uh, I have, yeah, I've had for like, a, it's good if you have something like a, like a, a blog that you've done, or even if you've scripted a piece of content and you, you kind of quickly convert it to, to that format, even if you get off it a little bit, you can go back on it. But, um, you know, a lot of people use them in different ways. Some, some use it as more of kind of an outline thing. So you could just kind of sl slowly scroll through an outline and other people go verbatim, but, uh, Hey, it yeah, takes that's practice. That's one of the problems. Like the, you know, we were talking. I like this show because it's unscripted, and we just we're just mm -hmm. talking about whatever the hell we want to talk about, which is really nice. <laughs> right. Um, but with the script, with the scripted, edited show, you got to you got to write, and you know, it's writing and scripting and that sort of thing. So mm -hmm. I don't know. We'll we'll see how it goes. I didn't mean to uh, hij hijack. Where are we? We were. No, I mean, that's, that's the whole point. That's what, that's what we're doing here. But uh, yeah, I mean, there, there's a place for all, all forms of content. And you're going to, I think in this day and age, you're going to, which is really neat, you're going to attract clients who are attracted to the way you communicate, if that makes any sort of sense. So if you think of, you know, 100 years ago, you ran the general store in town, you had to kind of sell to everybody in town. And you were just purely bound geographically. But if if somebody calls me from Ohio and they're like, yeah, I watched your YouTube video on you know this fund or whatever, and I had some questions, I know that person is probably going to like who I am or the way I do business because they've already listened to me yap for 10 minutes about some dopey mutual fund or ETF, you know? So so that's pretty cool and that we're gonna find clients that are uh, that are like us and probably going to get along pretty well. Which that's a really interesting, interesting point. And that's something that I actually really, that's that thought is the exact impetus of, of why I started getting in front of the camera, mm -hmm. because for the first 10, 15 years of being in business, um, I had really robust and rich in-person relationships with my clients. 
And, you know, for the past three or four years or so, um, I've been relegated back to, to the back of the office business administration. So my wonderful team has taken the relationships I've started and, you know, continued on with them. Um, but I was afraid to get in front of the camera to do kind of this multimedia marketing and stuff. And it took me a couple of years to realize, wait a minute, are, there are people that do like my persona my character because i've proven that when i to this point you know what i mean so um not everybody's gonna like everybody but um you know the good news is the people who do like you and that's to the marketing you know the email marketing for example um i was thinking about this too like you send out an email campaign to 2500 contacts and there's a fear that you're gonna get um unsubs and uh re you know um reports of spam Mm-hmm. Um, and what I'm finding is, well, sure. Like the first round of a new list, you'll get, a, you'll get some percentage of unsubs, but then the second time you send that list that hopefully will get smaller. And then that, that each subsequent campaign will get smaller and smaller. And then what you're really doing is you're curating a high concentration of cap of captivated audience, you know, and right. the, I, that occurred to me yesterday and, uh, and that thought has really excited me because mm-hmm. now it's like, wow, okay, what if I 2,500 that, you know, a hundred or two unsubscribe and then over maybe, a, you know, six months of, you know, some regular email campaign, you're down to maybe 1,500, 1,200 people who won't or haven't unsubscribed. I mean, now you have a high concentration of people who say they're effectively by with their eyeballs are signaling to us, okay, Eric. You've got my attention, not buying from you right now, but you've got my attention. Yeah, we've got an IT resource or something. Um, they're doing okay, but okay enough to, you know, you've, I'll continue to let you stream your information to me. Maybe there's a tipping point at which you, you know, you become something that I'm willing to take a shot on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and in my business, the two along the same lines is this, this is a very, my business is a very old business. I think the average advisor, although the age has been dropping, I think it still is in that 58 to 60 range. So you've got businesses that are changing hands and they may not, for lack of a better term, want their father's advisor. You know, they may want sort of that, that next generation advisor. And it's historically a business and industry that's communicated terribly. Sometimes it's intentionally, right? The idea of talking over a client's head, you know, so that they feel, golly jeepers, this guy knows about big words that I didn't know. That makes me just throw off the idea of that or, you know, the milk and cookies kind of, wow, I came into his office and it was his or her office and it was really impressive. And they gave me the coffee. It's great. It's like, yeah, well, an advisor who uses an AOL email address or has their secretary do all their emailing. Right. Right. And, and, and you've had compliance things where, you know, the bigger the company, the smaller, smaller, the box. So they're, you know, the email, so sort of regular email from some of the bigger firms is about as stale and boring as it's content for the sake of content, right? And they they can't flip open a their laptop and record a video and send it out to all their clients. Right. They have to run it through 37 layers of compliance. So, you know, at least in my industry, somebody could get my email for six months and be like, you know what? I've got this guy's email for six months with market updates, with, you know, best practices, with little insights. And I haven't heard from the advisor that I'm paying in 
from in six months. What, why, you know, so it kind of clicks with them and be like, I've got a no contact advisor who's charging me fees that I probably don't even have the ability to calculate or know what they are. And I'm getting more value from somebody who isn't even my advisor. So, um, so that's what I'm always thinking about in the back of my mind too. And that, I've been thinking about that for years and that, that just, again, re reinforces what I, I was saying too. Like I, I, I've been treading way too softly. Um, do you know, the one thing that I'm thinking is what, do you have any idea what kind of value? So we have a contact list of our client, which is our, our you know, the account or company at, mm -hmm. the, at the company, we've got, you know, the owner, manager, partners, decision makers, billing contact. But we also then have all, we do have a list of all of their employees because those are those are the resources or the con, you know the contacts that we support. And I've done well to divvy up my database so we know who the decision makers and the points of contact are versus just the employees. And so I'm not sending any marketing material or any information to the employees data set. Can you imagine any? content that would be appropriate for an end user in that context and is your situation kind of similar uh yes it's similar so i thought i thought where you were going with this was not uh what content would be valuable but but should you connect with them obviously i would, I would say yes and what content would be available but i think it's sort of those those you know you're, you've got a big push right now on cybersecurity, so i think it's a lot of that crossover stuff and i think if you can cross over into their personal lives a little bit. So instead of sending out an email that says, Hey, Jane, when you're on ABC company computer, don't click links. It's Hey, Jane, because Evernet runs your IT company, we'd like to help you out with some stuff here on your on your iPhone. Here's a couple you know, tips and trips. Uh, right, tips. right. So so tips we do have tricks to keep your eye. You know, if you can cross that bridge to their personal side, um, you know, it's obviously you work, you work with businesses and I kind of work with both. So you're trying to, for me, I'm trying to establish that relationship with the business, but also them on the personal side too. I think it would be neat too. So one of the things that I, that I do is need to get better at, but um, so we track obviously all our interactions with our employees. So we may go, you know, especially in the COVID environment, we may go months without talking to the business owner, or the HR reps, but we're getting calls here and there from, from employees. And, and those are, you know, obviously confidential and that kind of stuff. And they're not going to go in and talk to their boss and say, Hey, I talked to that Brian guy last night. It was great. You know, thanks. Like that's never going to happen. And I'm not one who's going to proactively reach out to the employer every time to say, Hey, you know, Jane called me last night at six 30 to talk about their father-in-law's account. Cause he's going into assisted living. But you know, if, if you're providing annual reports or quarterly reports for your clients and you can say, okay, here's what we did for you on the business side, but also we've, here are the, here's the type of emails. Maybe you missed it. Maybe you didn't even see it, but here's the value we're adding to your employees by helping them be more secure at work and at home. I think that would probably be interesting. To so to that back. vein, let me ask you this. Do you, so my marketing email marketing software, uh, has us define topics. Uh, so we can create lists of contacts and then you, you define kind of your, topics which is if you've ever clicked the subscription preferences link on the bottom of a email campaign or something it it typically should show you a page of like all of the lists or content or subscriptions that you're subscribed to um 
do you does your software define that context because in so in, what i'm thinking is i could probably we, we've defined security alerts as a topic so when something um, which is really a powerful tool now the, the email marketing camp uh, software allows us to 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 communicate right mm -hmm. to 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 our contacts and things and i've created a security alert uh topic that we could you know that's one of the things that we could send to all of the employees and that probably would not be inappropriate for example like if there was an imminent security threat we could then send that to everybody that sort of thing yeah i think that would be that would be good if you had uh I don't do kind of the the segments at the high level. I guess when I create an email, I'll create the email and the content first and say, okay, what type of groups would be good at this? So I guess I have the not the email segmented, but the but the recipient segmented between business owners, HR, and then regular employees. But is there a is there a subscription page where like all of your contacts, if they clicked on it, would it show them all of the things that they're subscribed to? no i think it's just no i think it's just general general kind oh, okay. of emails but um yeah that might be something to add i kind of thought that was like a de facto feature of a email campaign system and i'm i could be completely wrong i i i've used i've looked at hubspot uh and a couple others but um yeah that's a that's a good question i know i have obviously the unsubscribe link at the bottom. So yeah, because you wouldn't want to you wouldn't want an unsub, you know, someone might be like, Okay, well, keep me on security alerts, but I don't mm -hmm. need. Pro so we have so our our topics are security alerts, newsletter, products, product and services updates, which is our, which is what I'm kind of treating as like the sales list, you know, if we're gonna if we're gonna send something on a new product or service. Um, general post and personalized email. So I, I do use the email campaign software to send personalized looking emails just en masse. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, those look good. Um, yeah, I saw the one saw the one that you had sent over to me that looked pretty good. You've done a good job of doing the newsletter style and the personal style. I did just click the unsubscribe button on my own email and it just gives the option to unsubscribe or to stay subscribed. So, and it doesn't define a list or anything. No. And that's hmm. probably because I don't have any lists on the back end. So I'd have to go back and um, oh, okay. look at that and see if I, see if I have that type of, uh, but that, yeah, I guess that is a good point. I'm, I'd have to mark, write that down and see if that's so something maybe, I would use, but did I just give you a tip? just either you're all in or all out. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. So we're at uh, 42 minutes. I know that we're trying to target 45 minutes so that we can have a little, we want to definitely be under an hour. Um, any news that you want to talk about yeah, specifically? I know we kind of touched there for a second. I dragged this back out into the, into the <laughs> general chat, but uh, I'm just well, looking at anything you shared. Uh, I, well, this is kind of an interesting uh crossover i guess between finance and technology so the so the department of labor had come out and said not necessarily in favor of or not in favor of adding cryptocurrencies to a 401k just just be very careful and kind of saying not yet like let's let's let this play out a little bit more and then fidelity kind of going against the grain um and this article the headline is misleading because they're not the first retirement provider to do so but um 
but it said, uh, you know, in the article that they kind of went against the Department of Labor's soft recommendation not to do so. Mm. Um, so that was kind of interesting. And then the DOL actually came out shortly after this and and didn't um, trying to think of the right words here, but didn't didn't bash Fidelity for for doing it. Just kind of say, you know, we we were disappointed to see them go against our guidance i think is the right word guidance from the dol so um i i think with fidelity they had obviously worked on this for a long time before the guidance from department of labor came out right okay um so that's uh sort of created a little uh you know we like these sort of battles especially in the 401k or investment world we don't get too much excitement but something like this kind of kind of got a pretty good reaction so It'll be interesting that Fidelity's not backing down or saying that they're not going to do this, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. So I thought I mean, that was it. I don't know. Are you, uh, what's your position on uh, cryptocurrency? Are you still a wait and see kind of guy? Or are you uh, seeing the utility and value in real? Or uh, where are you on crypto? I do. I still see the utility and, and value in it. Um, long term but i think it's something that's probably best held outside of the 401k so i think oh, okay. if it's um because of its volatility yeah yeah i think so i mean i i like to keep the 401k as kind of your serious long-term money you know okay. and, and at most you would maybe put 10 percent of your allocation in crypto anyway so at that point if it's going to be such a small segment you know do it on an outside account do it in maybe an old IRA you have somewhere or just, just open up kind of a regular brokerage account and do it somewhere. But let, um, me, let me ask you a question. Do you, do, is holding cash a considered an investment vehicle? It is. Yeah. Most 401k plans will either have a um, money market type account, which are, you know, basically zero now, or a lot of times after fees negative, and then others will have what's called a stable value account, which is, which will pay a set rate and maybe resets every quarter. Usually the rates are a little bit higher on those. So some mm -hmm. of those are paying eh, between one and 2%. Um, there's some really old contracts that are kind of locked in with 3% as a floor who are looking pretty good right now. They might've put those contracts in place 20 years ago. Nice. Um, so usually th there's definitely some sort of holding account for uninvested cash or people who want to get completely out of the market, something that's, um, you know, not, doesn't have any fluctuation in it. So there's usually a cash account or a, um, that's what I value. thought. And the reason yeah. why I ask is because I, in, in, in my mind, I feel like I look at Bitcoin now akin to cash or currency. And so I, so not, you know, I don't, all these kids who are getting rich or poor off of um, buying or buying all this crypto, you know, we're running short on time and I don't want to go too long. But Warren Buffett just said that if you, if you offered him all the Bitcoin in the world for twenty five dollars, he wouldn't buy it. So mm. the, the richest guy in the world um, doesn't see the value of Bitcoin. I have come I, I was late to the party and I do see the value in a decentralized currency that can't be controlled by a government or a people. Um, mm -hmm. I do also see that it's a fiat currency. The value is because the market just assigns it a value, so to speak, just like, you know, cash money, you know, the United States dollar. Mm -hmm. um, so in that vein, like, I just think to, I think, well, how much cash do I hold 
in a an investment context. And then I think of the Bitcoin, the Bitcoin and the cryptocurrency. And I have been starting to acquire cryptocurrency, but not like as a primary investment vehicle, because I wouldn't do that with cash either. Cash mm-hmm. isn't and stop me if I'm saying anything inappropriate, but cash isn't really a primary investment vehicle. You hedge with cash, maybe. Right. Or you, you is, is that right? Yeah, especially right now. I mean, there's always a portion of your account that's probably not invested or it's uh, ultimately cash is just really a really short term bond fund. Right now, you're not looking. Cash is where you get for return of your money, not return on your money. So it's that portion that's, you know, in theory, never going to go down. Although with inflation at 7%, if you're in cash, you're losing 7% a year. You're losing right, right. You have your whole- power with yep. that. Um, so, um, yeah, it's not inherently a money-making venture, right? I mean, it's not like buying pieces of a company, uh, which are filled with people exchanging their time for money, which is what I always tell, uh, people who have know nothing about investing. I say, Mm -hmm. you know, you buy one stock of a company filled with people trading their time for money. Um, you know, that's, it's different than trying to, uh, you know, time, Time is the thing that we all can't make more of. You know what I mean? So um, anyways, I don't want to go down that rat hole, I guess. But um, anyways, interesting. Interesting. Yeah, it is, it is. It is interesting. I mean, Bitcoin is and crypto is somewhere between being a currency, being a collectible and being an investment. Right. I mean, when you buy a painting, the only value it has, I mean, obviously it has if you're hanging it somewhere in your house or whatever, it has the that aspect to it but the only value is if somebody is going to buy it from you later at a higher price right um so it doesn't you know it doesn't necessarily have any productive value um you know if if your heat went out and you had to burn it you know that's the only value it really has right is to to generate heat for a short period of time so right my name is eric bjorndorf ceo of evernet consulting america's number one it consulting and support company uh, see me at evernetco, evernetco.com and my partner, Brian, go ahead, Brian. Brian Williams from Northshire Consulting, a Connecticut based investment advisory firm. We work with business owners and families to help get their investments in order, consolidating them, getting them on the right track from projections, fees and expenses, and getting them in line with their goals. So we will see you next Tuesday. See you next Tuesday. Hey everybody, Eric here, Evernet Consulting, Finance and Technology Insights with Brian and Eric. Just wrapped up recording with uh, uh, this week's episode. Brian, say hey. Hey, what's happening? <laughs> so there's our there there we are in the studio. Um, yeah, hope you uh, hope you enjoy this week's episode. Check us out, Finance and Technology Insights with Brian and Eric. It's also a podcast. Have a great week, everybody.